along with me, a podcast for fans who have finished all 10 seasons of Adventure Time and want to journey back to the land of Ooh in an episode-by-episode analysis of Cartoon Network's most mathematical TV show. I am Laura the Human. And I'm KK, also the Human. This is Chapter 2.1, It Came from the Nightosphere, worried by Adam Muto and Rebecca Sugar. In this episode of Come Along With Me, Marceline and her dad catch up, but she's left a little salty. This podcast contains full spoilers for all of Adventure Time, If you haven't finished the series, turn back now. Finn and Marceline start a jam session with a ditty about Marcy's father eating her french fries. It's deeper than just the one incident. Marceline wonders if he even loves her. Finn suggests she talk to her dad if she's so upset, but she says it's not worth it, especially because summoning him takes some effort. Finn does it anyway, and the demon lord Hansen Abadir manifests from the nightosphere. He's not much interested in a tearful reunion with his daughter. He steals her axe vase and leaves with a singular purpose, to suck out all the souls in Ooh. Finn is distraught because of the evil of it all. Marceline just wants her vase back. They follow a trail of denizens with sucked-out souls. They find Marcy's dad in the Red Rock Pass, stomping on ants and sucking their souls. He and Marceline scuffle while Finn tries to smash him with a rock. Marcy loses and flies away, incensed. Hansen grows large and menacing with all of his sucked souls. Finn tries to fight him to little avail. Searching for a distraction, he retrieves the recorder from earlier and plays Marceline's song about fries. Hansen is sad that Marceline doesn't think that he loves her, and he assures her that he does. She tells him she loves him too. While he's occupied, Finn saves the souls and completes the ritual to send Hansen back to the nightosphere. So listen, this episode is obviously... A big one for many reasons. It's really fundamental to Marceline's backstory and has an amazing song and does a lot for the lore of Adventure Time as a whole. Um, but I think something can get lost in discussion about it. And do you know what that is? What? It's just really, really funny. <laughs> <laughs> like, I had forgotten how hilarious this is. I don't think there's a single joke that doesn't land. It's Rebecca Sugar. I can't believe she's finally here. I know. She's uh, she's definitely, I think, one of the big names in Adventure Time fandom for a reason. Uh, she's got some really excellent writing chops. And so does Adam Muto. We can't yeah. ignore that. He's going to be the showrunner after Pendleton Ward steps down. And the duo together, I think, just really knocks it out of the park. Yeah, it's... Whew. No one flicks me in the butt without my consent! <laughs> Like, that's such a fun joke, but, like, it's also, like, kind of genuine. Like, it's great. Uh, That's sort of a Rebecca Sugar brand, huh? It's a fun joke and also very genuine. Yeah. I mean, you could even say that's Adventure Time's brand. Oh, yeah, you're right. What was your uh, favorite moment, Laura? Oof, that's a little like sitting me on a buffet and asking me which one's my favorite dish. I think my favorite part is where, like, Hansen gets summoned, 
and he checks to see whether or not Finn is evil. When he says he is, and he starts to suck out his soul, and Mercy obviously freaks out and stops him. And then he, she's like, "Dad, ugh, you always do this." And he's like, "I just don't know what's going to set you off." <laughs> like it's just so wonderfully deadpan. Like they're talking about, I don't know, coming into her bedroom without knocking. It's great. I never know what's going to set you off. Uh, my favorite part is the exchange with the first uh, soul he sucks when he's like, who the fluff are you? And he goes, well, I'm sure not the guy that's going to suck out your soul. And the kid, the dude goes, good, because that's like my number one fear. <laughs> <laughs> and then he like pretends to kill him just to like freak him out. And then he's like, I get, bet you're really... Uh, valuing your life and the dude's just like I, I mean I guess he's like so this will make the next part much more horrifying <laughs> it's very uh, Rafiki from the Lion King <laughs> <laughs> if Rafiki was an evil demon king <laughs> I, I think it makes the most sense to take this episode from the top so there's a lot to get through but there's something I want to start with what is with the white poodle that Mar is in Marceline's house? Okay, my literal notes are, wait, does Marceline have a dog? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Apparently his name is Schwabble and he's a zombie. Question, then like 18 question marks. <laughs> yeah, so here's the thing. The dog disappears after this episode for like a huge stretch of time. <laughs> if I recall, it does come back in a later episode suggesting this wasn't just like a season one one-off. And also... It was with Marceline in the stakes flashback back when, you know, like 800 years ago. Yeah. So yeah. what is this poodle's deal? That's a, he's a zombie. Where did you find that? In the wiki. Right. But where did the wiki find that? Uh, there's a couple of like extra canonical books uh, about Marceline. So maybe one of those. All right. So, yeah, uh, Marceline apparently has... A zombie poodle called Schwabble. It's called Schwabble. <laughs> um, okay, and then obviously the second thing that happens, classic, the Fry song. It slaps the Fry song so hard. It has no right to slap like that. Is this the most iconic Adventure Time song? I think Bacon Pancakes, but it could be close second. Yeah, like... Baking pancakes is really fun, obviously. But I feel like the Fry song is really emblematic of Adventure Time's attitude on the whole. Like, it sounds funny and silly. And then you actually look at a deeper level, you're like, oh, that's super depressing. <laughs> I mean, it's not exactly subtle with, do you even love me? I wish you would show it. <laughs> yeah, but like, the tune itself, like, you wouldn't... I just remember listening to the Fry song the first time and being like, oh, this is silly. And then being like, oh, ouch. So a moment I really like in the singing of this wonderful song is Finn's beatboxing to give her a beat. And he starts slowing down as he gets more and more concerned. <laughs> like, it irritates me to no end when I go to re-listen to the song because I'm like, no, I just want to hear a clean track of it. Uh, but it's good storytelling in the episode. That's also a very good whimsical Adventure Time thing where it's like this, you know, multi-layered ditty and it's it includes beatboxing. Like that's not <laughs> typically you don't put your ballads over a beatbox. Well, something I've noticed having kind of like rewatched 
the series as a whole recently is, you know, as part of like the culture of Ooh has marched on from where it is currently, it seems that rap and beatboxing have become very standard parts of music, musical language, like much more standard. As they should be. As they should be. It's just like people will go to a climbing rap. Like that's a, a standard event that people go to, right? Like uh-huh. everyone's expected to have basic beatboxing and or rap skills. <laughs> so the, cru- the, the the impetus of this episode is, you know, Marceline sings a sad song about her dad. And Finn, who has had very loving adoptive parents and who is desperately curious about who his biological parents are and wishes he could have a relationship with them, goes, well, if you're sad, why don't you just talk to him about it? And when Marcy's like, eh, I don't really into it, he's like, beer be summoning him behind your back. <laughs> with bug milk and a fill face. <laughs> What's a fill face? A fill face is a running gag in Adventure Time, and it's um, it's meant to resemble the face of the lead character designer Phil Rinda, Rinda, and uh, apparently, like whenever he'd get excited about anything, he'd make this face, and so <laughs> that's adorable. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Oh, I love that. I really like that. So yes, um, I don't know. I really like how this is so much of. Finn's own issues surrounding his parents kind of intersect with Marceline's issues. Yeah, that is very interesting. And I mean, certainly they both have parental abandonment issues up the wazoo. Yeah, but Finn's are very different, at least at this point. I feel like if they were talking about parents five years down the line, they could commiserate about having, you know, their, their dads both being not great people. But uh, right now, like, Finn is much more young and naive and doesn't see why somebody wouldn't want to just have the chance to talk with their parents. There's a joke in, like, maybe even the last season that that always gets me, which is Mm. when Princess Bubblegum is talking to Finn and Jake and goes, family stuff is tough, you know? And Finn and Marceline are nodding and Jake is shaking his head. (laughs) 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 <laughs> of course, isn't it like two episodes later he gets kidnapped by his bio dad who tries yes. to suck the life out of him? So yes. maybe even in time he would be able to uh, to agree. Uh, every like weird, gross thing that Hunson does in this episode is awesome. Uh, oh, it's like, so great. When he ma- first manifests, he like does it from the guts outward. Oh, yeah, so it's some amazing body horror. And he has a second smaller face inside his mouth that seems to be his real face yeah (laughs) and has like that that creepy like the mouth that opens the wrong direction oh it's amazing yeah i he's just i think it's such a good clash of like classic demon design with the most boring uh white collar businessman design and they mesh together so well um, also, his voice actor is Martin Olson, who is Olivia Olson's real dad. Okay, I think I know a story about this. So I, I'm not sure if it was Pendleton Ward, but regardless, it was, you know, somebody high up on the, uh, you know, Adventure Time creative team. When they were back in season one and they were trying to cast the show, 
Pendleton Ward or whoever it was, was watching an episode of um, Phineas and Ferb. And the character of Vanessa Doofenspurts uh, came on and he was like, wow, her attitude is like this too cool for school, disenfranchised teenager is perfect for what I'm imagining my character in my upcoming show, uh, Adventure Time. So he knew someone, Martin Olson, who he knew worked on Phineas and Ferb and reached out and said, hey, do you happen to know who the voice actress for Vanessa Doofenspurts is? And he's like, She's my daughter. <laughs> so I hadn't known he got uh, hired to actually voice her real dad, uh, her dad on the show. That's really great. Yeah, I think it's real cute. Can I have a quick interjection here? Please. Marceline is wearing flip flops and I can't stop thinking about how impractical that must be for someone who floats everywhere. That is wild. Yeah. Otherwise, it's a very classic Marceline outfit, but flip flops? It also just doesn't <laughs> seem on brand for her. Really? Because it seems on brand for me, for her, for me. It's just, you've, you've got to be constantly clenching your toes, right? <laughs> Maybe she's got some magic. Maybe she killed a vampire that can just uh, hold shoes <laughs> on their feet without effort, you know? Yeah, you, you sometimes ask about what the other vampire powers she has are, and it's all stuff like that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, milk in my fridge takes 20% longer to go bad. How is that helpful? You don't drink milk. Um, it's, it is what it is. <laughs> Well, if I need some bug milk to, you know, some of my pops, I have to have it in the fridge. What do you think bug milk is? I don't know. Do you think there are bugs that secrete something equivalent to milk? Or is it like almond milk, which is just like the juice of crushed bugs? I mean, knowing Adventure Time, it could be either. Now that we're talking about it, you know, there are the dancing bugs, so... That makes it worse, though. <laughs> They're sapient. I don't want to drink their milk. I mean, we drink cow milk. Yeah, but cows don't have spontaneous dance parties. That I know <laughs> uh, of. That you know of. Yeah, fair enough. If, if you work on a farm and your cows have spontaneous dance parties, please let me know. Please. And if you can record it, put it on TikTok, you'll have millions and millions of views. And uh, another joke that hits so hard is when Finn goes, I've got some soul food that Jake packed for me. Collard <laughs> greens, country fried steak. Much <laughs> like dear sweet Finn thinking he can solve something with food is delightful and definitely well, comes from being brought up by Jake. And also. <laughs> well, in fairness, in his position, he doesn't know what the term soul food came from. I don't think they teach, they've taught him about Oh, yeah, so there used to be a country here. It was called America. It had slaves. And here's the history of the food that came out of that culture. If you didn't know that and you lived in Ooh, I think it's a reasonable assumption that soul food does something for your soul. Yeah, no, that's that's very fair. Uh, is this the first time it's called Ooh? Oh, that's a really good question. I'm I not don't sure. remember it being like it's possible. I just missed it. But I don't remember them saying it at all in season one i always read through the wiki and i didn't see it there so probably not but that's a really good question and listeners if you know the answer to that please let us know yeah especially like the way he says it like he's like i'm going to suck out all the souls Ooh. like it almost sounds like it might have been something that was like a joke but they took it seriously moving forward maybe yeah 
Um, the Roughhousers do come back. The Marauders <gasps> from Boom Boom Mountain. Yes, I was so glad the Marauders, the Roughhousers came back. I love them. Yeah, we, we misspoke last time. I, we thought they didn't ever come back, but here they are. They get their souls sucked. They, they do, but A, they should get their souls back in the end. Thank God. Uh, B, uh, so the, the, the main roughhouser is like giving a anecdote when we meet him. He's like, and then I popped his head off and said, and that's what I think of expanding earth theory. And everybody laughs like this is hilarious. Uh, I looked up what expanding earth theory. It was a real thing. The, the Wikipedia says that it was a previous theory to explain why all the continents of Earth seem to mesh together. And the idea was Earth used to be much, much smaller. And it was gradually expanding and, like, pushing it out. Like, you know, if you drew pictures on, a on like, an uninflated balloon and then blew it up. That is amazing. That's and amazing. You know, do you want to know what the next weird thing is? Yes. While he isn't the one who who came up with it, it was a, a later uh, scientist, uh, some of the original concept for it came from Charles Darwin. Wow. Okay. <laughs> like, you know, his explorer, he was like, oh, the this particular area is elevated. I wonder if it's, like, because the planet expanded. <laughs> so. Um, I have never caught that joke, and that is incredible. Like, that's such a deep cut. <laughs> What a weird thing to reference, you know? I mean, again, the writing. I think when we were reading Paul Thomas's book, I believe he mentioned that most of the storyboarders from season one don't come back. We have Adam and Nikki Yang as well. But, like, most of them don't. So the writing just gets sharper as soon as we mm. step into season two. It really does. And also because it's been a while since we mentioned it. If you haven't read it yet, you should absolutely check out the book uh, Exploring the Land of Ooh, an unofficial overview and production history of Cartoon Network's Adventure Time by um, Paul Thomas. It's a really excellent book. Uh, KK and I have both read it. I believe it's free online. Uh, and it's just it has such good insights into the television show. You can find him at Paul Thomas 1992 on Twitter. Thank you. All right, here's a joke that I love. Finn's like, I have to go kill your dad. And uh, Marceline's like, Finn, you can kill my dad. He's like, oh, uh, sorry. She's like, he's literally deathless. <laughs> you literally can't kill my dad. He's deathless. <laughs> uh, and I also like how that that makes it sound like she would be down to kill him if it was an option. But then also at the end, like, it's more complicated than that. It's more complicated than that. The only reason that stomping on ants, sucking their souls isn't the best song of the episode is because the Fry song is also in the episode. It's so good. <laughs> stomping on ants, souls, souls, souls. I guess uh, we I, see where she got her musical talent, huh? There you go, yeah. Um, I meditate every day, and that has been an earworm for me while I'm trying to concentrate on my breathing and think of nothing. I just hear <laughs> stomping on ants. I wonder what that's going to do for your inner mindscape if that's what you're meditating on. Oh, geez, Laura, I didn't think about that. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm just saying, if you're ever like, I want, a, I want a magnifying glass, must go burn ants, check that desire, okay? Okay, deal. 
And then that fight is also very good when he's like, finally taking a run at your old man, huh? And he keeps saying, karate chop, even though not all of his moves are karate chop. Sometimes he's like kicking her and he still says, karate chop. Like, that's the great thing about Hanson Avdir. He is like, he's got such weird dad humor and dad energy. It's just juxtaposed with being like an soulless abomination, right? Right. It's such a good clash. Um, and I also like the way he says it, like, finally taking a run at your old man, huh? Like, it definitely sounds to me like he's kind of proud. He's like, it's finally time. My young daughter's finally trying to assert me, just like I did to my dad when I was 10,000 years old. And that's like, oh, again, the writing is so tight because that one line and the way it's delivered conveys all that information to you in, you yeah. know, six, yeah. seven words, eight words. Yeah, it's it's so economic, uh, which you have to be when your episodes are only 11 minutes. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, of course, we get the brilliant line of all when he's talking to Gunter of all history's greatest monsters. You are by far the most evil thing I've ever encountered. And I think it's easy to forget that the setup, because you don't immediately see Gunter. It's like just the Ice Kingdom. So it's meant to be you assume he's talking to Ice King. Uh, which, knowing Ice King's backstory, obviously there's no way you would actually think that. He is anything but evil, really. Uh, it's just like, yep, Gunter, he's evil. He's an ultimate evil. Or she is. And we and we talked about, we just did our season one wrap-up, and we were talking about like things that come back from the early seasons that we're impressed with. And who would have guessed that Gunter is literally a primordial evil entity? Yeah, Eldritch Abomination who <laughs> who gets joy from destroying helpless galaxies. Oh, man. Gunter is so good. I'm really glad that she's a character on Adventure Time. <laughs> she's amazing. Also, I do notice that pretty much all the penguins get their souls sucked out, but I'm not sure if Gunter's does. No, because she slaps him. He's yeah. like, fine, keep your crummy soul. <laughs> I'm kind of curious what would have happened if he had. Like, I don't think that soul would go down easy. I, th- I think he, he's even like, you can't have my soul. I don't even have a soul. <laughs> uh, speaking of the soul sucking, that scene where the way that fluffy person, who incidentally looks a lot like LSP, gets their soul sucked out and they're just like, this empty husk and they're like <gasps> and all the other fluffy people are just horrified it's oh it's such good dark comedy yeah man i this episode is so good <laughs> i feel like this episode is really interesting when you look at at it in the broad scope of marceline's character development mhm because okay so we know from her backstory that she started off very young and idealistic. Uh, She started fighting vampires because it gave her a purpose and she was genuinely committed to defending innocent people from monsters. Then we fast forward and we see her uh, around Obsidian where Princess Bubblegum is trying to protect the Glass Kingdom and she's like so done with it. She she could not care less. Like she, she even says something like they're glass, they break. Which I think is kind of more emblematic of, you know, she, she's had to have been a few centuries old at that point. She's used to mortals dying and has stopped being super invested in them. To where we get to this point 
to this point where she's just, yeah, like she can't, like, sure, people are going to get their souls sucked out and she just doesn't care. And it's not clear how much of that is genuine and how much of it is like, you know, she's sucked souls in the past. So it's kind of like a coping mechanism. So she doesn't think about herself too hard, but like, she's just so uninspired about this you know, Finn's quest to save the entire planet, right? She just wants her base back, baby. She just wants her base back. But then, again, you compare that down the line to, you know, stakes, to elements, to to the finale, where she does care again. Where Finn and Jake and reconnecting with Princess Bubblegum has helped her find that part of herself again. That's lovely. And I I agree that it's all of them and their influence on her, but I think a lot of it must be Princess Bubblegum's, like, dedication to protecting her people. Marceline, you know, admires her and admires that, so. Oh, absolutely. But I I also think it is, we've seen a couple times that Marceline, I think, struggles to connect with mortals, you know, in the same way that you and I might feel a little weird about adopting a pet, because you know that unless you're adopting a tortoise, that thing is only going to live a fraction of your life. But that's only my biggest anxiety. Don't worry about it. <laughs> cool, Knowing cool. my cat's going to not... die before me. Don't worry about it. Cool. Glad I'm not touching on anything there. <laughs> uh, but, you know, just because it is tough and you know that there's going to be grief doesn't mean that there isn't still something important in those relationships that you form. Right? Yeah. Uh, you okay yeah. there? Okay. okay. All right. Digital hug. Well, let's talk about Finn's new sword that I think only shows up this one episode because it's really cool. Uh, I didn't notice it. What does the sword look like? He's using his like old notched yellow sword as well, but he has this like it's like it's got a skull pommel and like these twisting branchy. um, What's the what's it called? The the piece between the thank you the hilt. Uh, So it's cool. I like that better than than pets dying. Uh, me too. I also like swords <laughs> better than pets dying. Thank you. Um, I, I think I don't want to not mention this, even though we've kind of steered away from this part of the conversation. But when Finn and the base fall off of Giant Hunson, Marceline catches the base and not Finn. <laughs> <laughs> it is a good moment. But in contrast to that, earlier in the episode, you know, Marceline's flying with Finn. And he's like, release the fin bomb and she lets go of him and it looks like she's just gonna let him crash into the ground but instead she flies down and catches him by the foot and it's such like you know uh, a grown-up like throwing a kid in the air and like indulging in their fantasies it's adorable yeah i don't think uh rebecca sugar and adam muto had any interest in setting the scene for a marceline finn romance no there is zero of that feeling it feels so platonic. It feels so big sister, little brother. Yeah, it's lovely. <laughs> Speaking of which, the ants in his pants exchange. <laughs> Where he's like, I'm good. This ant's going to get in his pants. And she's just like, what? And he starts blushing. So cute. It's a pretty bold choice to not have Jake in this episode. Um, except for, of course, the excellent fart joke we get at the end when it turns out he's been in Finn's pocket the whole time. But you know, my that's my favorite joke in all of it. <laughs> really? You like a fart joke? <laughs> I know it's all for me, but it's just the reveal that he's been in the pocket. <laughs> it cracks me up so 
up, Jake. <laughs> also, if I wanted to rationalize this as um, what's what's happening in the universe, this is Jake having accepted uh, that Marceline is apparently not evil, but not wanting to hang out with her, but also not wanting to leave Finn alone with her. <laughs> So he's like, I'll just sleep in your pocket and if something happens, I'll come out. But then he probably sent through the whole demon thing. Right, which is funny because I actually was very impressed that Finn is able to take on the Lord of Evil by himself. Um, he shows he's growing as a hero. But also like, Jake, maybe help him with that. <laughs> yeah, like, maybe you would be useful here, buddy. <laughs> nah, Finn's got it. So I kind of want to take a look at adventure time at, at sort of a plot point or a recurring theme that I think crops up a lot in Rebecca Sugar's work and kind of extends even past adventure time, which is mm-hmm. just sort of this theme about, I guess, parents as literal villains. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I th- I'd say maybe in general, a better phrase might be parents as antagonists. Like, parents having their own issues that might clash with what their children or, you know, the people they're being the guardians to need. But the villain thing specifically, if, I mean, spoilers for Steven Universe if you haven't watched that yet and are planning to. The ultimate reveal is the main villains in Steven Universe are essentially Rose Quartz's parents slash grandparents. However you want to phrase it, it doesn't quite match one-to-one, right? Right. And um, I'm a strong, I'm strongly of the opinion that it doesn't really work in Steven Universe. Uh, It kind of, it it takes what started as a very, what felt like taking a typical, like what had been played straight as like a super evil Dark Lord who has done torture and genocide and you know, terribly unethical experiments. And then we're like, oh, but they're just parents. And kind of like, a, you know, applying an ending you might need in a, like a family sitcom to them. And I think it just doesn't work in Steven Universe. But yeah, the does... scope the scope of their wrongdoing is so vast. And then it's shrank into this, you know, admittedly lovely fantasy of the idea where if you talk to your parents, they'll understand you and accept you. But it's just like in the scope of what they've done outside of this familial squabble, it just doesn't. It doesn't match up. It feels like two different stories that were awkwardly stitched together. Right. Which I think this episode of Adventure Time is very similar here. Now, I don't think that the difference is, but I think the difference is it's a comedy. Right. right. It's like exactly. the contrast the the fact that the that these things contrast so differently is what makes it funny and that's what makes it work, right? Yes, I agree. It's yes. The framework is the same, but the genre is different. Exactly. So I don't really have any larger point beyond this just seems to be a theme that crops up in Rebecca Sugar's stories. And I kind of wanted to do some, like, comparative analysis about why I like this one so much better. KK, I want to ask you what media rec you have this week, but I think I already know. 
Steven Universe. If you haven't given Steven Universe a shot, if you're a fan of Adventure Time, please, please do. I would say uh, the first season is similar to Adventure Time, and that's a little wackier, a little flimsier in terms of the characterization. So definitely... But I would say a stronger season one than Adventure yes, Time. Yes, <laughs> definitely a stronger season one than Adventure Time. Uh, but give it a go. It's uh, it's another storyboard-driven 11-minute cartoon network comedy. Rebecca Sugar, the storyboarder of this episode of Adventure Time, is the showrunner. And... It is just such a beautiful story. The characters, the music, the animation, everything comes together to make this wonderful, beautiful five seasons of television. And obviously we were talking about some of our issues with it, um, but overall it's a really beautiful piece of work and everyone should watch it. Yeah, I was critiquing it, but you know, uh, there, there is so much to love in it. And it's not because... I'm mad at it. It's because I'm disappointed. <laughs> Seriously, I love uh, Steven Universe. It's it's a really lovely show. Thank you for joining KK and Laura the Humans on Come Along With Me. Email us at adventuretimepod at gmail.com. Give us a follow at Twitter at Come Along With Me, where the last E is a three, or Instagram and Tumblr at Adventure Time Pod. Now come on, grab your friends, and go to very distant lands. <laughs> <laughs>